right? So getting ready to go places usually reveals this universal truth, right? Across all culture, ages, demographics, everything, universal truth. We don't like to wait, do we? No. As a matter of fact, if I asked all of you to wait while I go, maybe we have a tech issue. Maybe I got to go in the, in the back here and help Dawn out. If I say, all of you just hang tight for a few, and I didn't tell you how long, you would probably watch this wall behind me for about 15 seconds, and then you would be like, well, pfft, I got something better to do than to watch this. I got, I'll log off, and maybe I'll come back later, right? You're not going to wait very long. I know this because I live it every day. All right. Some of you may have asked how long it takes me to get ready, and uh, it's longer than five, but not longer than a half an hour. I can't tell you exactly. Maybe 15 minutes. So, but I live with this every day. I live with the waiting and, and, and not wanting to wait. You know, if I'm online and I click on a Netflix video, I want it now, right? I don't want to wait. I don't even want to wait for it to spool up this little, that little thing that goes around in a circle that's supposed to make you feel better, like something's happening behind whatever you're watching. It doesn't make me feel any better. It's like, okay, it just makes me feel like we're in this, this tiny circle of hell. This is going to go on forever until I can finally get this thing downloaded, right? And so uh, I don't like to wait. You know, we live in an always-on, instant-access society, don't we? The fact that you could be here this morning means that you could click on this button, you could click on this post, you could be here, and we're streaming live right where you're at, Right now, it's crazy. Instant access. Never before in human history. Waiting is the last thing. The last thing we want to do. It seems pointless. I remember joining the Marine Corps when I was 18 and, and getting sent to basic training. Uh, and there's so many stories I could tell, tell about that. But what really stood out to me this week as I was reflecting on this, uh, this message was that a large part of that process was about training to increase reaction time. Now, I know, Walt, that you were in the Army, and you, y'all had no, no motivation to get any faster. But in the Marine Corps, <laughs> in the Marine Corps, I'm just joking with you, Walt. In the Marine Corps, you were training to increase reaction time. You were training to increase efficiency. You were training to, to operate under highly stressful situations. And so whenever you were given the task, you were, you were instructed to get it done fast. I mean faster than fast. And you would get, uh, when you, by the time you arrived at boot camp to the time you left, it was just amazing the transformation it takes just to even be able to get out of bed and get your clothes on had to just be dramatically shortened, right? And it was done that way because in combat, you need to be able to react quickly and efficiently under high-stress situations, right? Because if you don't, then either you or the friend next to you is probably going to die, right? So there was a purpose behind the rush, but the flip side of that is that while we were training for combat and combat's intense and combat's expected and you want to prepare for the worst. And so we did all these things in, in preparation for that. Combat's not constant, though, is it? Most of the time you're not in a fight. You're just getting you're getting ready for one. And so in basic training, you would be pressured to get things done immediately and with a quickness. But usually after getting it done, you were told to wait. You're told to wait. You know, 60 recruits could move from, from beds, like literally laying in bed, into a formation outside, down three flights of stairs, and, and into this coherent formation, standing shoulder to shoulder, uh, 60 people outside in a field in just a matter of just like a couple of minutes. It was super fast. And as soon as they would get there, we would normally have to wait two to three times that long after we got in formation. It was crazy. We would wait and wait and wait. 
It's well, been well over 15 years since I had to go through any of that craziness. But the phrase, hurry up and wait, makes me cringe like every time. It's, it, it just still is stuck in my brain because that's what uh, the whole of military life really was, was hurry up and then just wait. Wait for something to happen. If you joined us last week, I said that the task given to all who follow Jesus is to go and to spread the good news of his death and resurrection and how that shapes us, right? The news that he has freed us from death and from hell and has freely given us life now and life eternal. That's it. And the resurrection proved that he really was who he said he was, and that changes everything, right? The whole of human history shifted. Now, if you're an action-oriented person, you love to hear that, right? That's the best news you could get because that means that you get to go out and do something and you can feel useful, you can feel worthwhile. It feels like you're accomplishing something, right? Go. All right, I can go. I can do this. That's, that's great. Thank you for helping me out with that. Now, I hope and pray that we're all doing that. But before we get too far, I want to throw a wrench in the plans. Go and spread the good news. But first, stop. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring the book of Acts. It's going to be a little bit of a journey. I'm hoping we'll bridge the gap between live streaming to you face-to-face and then live streaming with a crowd as we go through the whole book of Acts. We're going to see how the first followers of Jesus went and spread the good news they received from him and how we're empowered to do the same. But this morning, we're going to start that journey by noticing that going starts by stopping. Going starts by stopping. Let's jump into Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, to see why we're stopping, who we're stopping for, and is it worth the wait. Okay, so if you have a Bible, open it up, flip it out in front of you, uh, right? If you don't, wonderful thing about technology is Ms. Dawn's going to give you a link. And she's going to post it, and it's going to be there, and she's going to have it all ready for you. You just got to go click, and it's going to open up a little tab or whatever device you're on, and you're going to be rocking and rolling right in Acts 1, chapter or verse 1, right here with us, all right? So click the link, hit it up, follow along as we're going to go through verses 1 through 3 here, and then we'll follow through the rest. Ready? Go. All right. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Okay, let's get a thumbnail, a little bitty bit of context here, okay? What we need to recognize is that we're dealing with a sequel. When you open up the book of Acts, you're dealing with part two of two, all right? This isn't just a standalone event. This is, this is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. You see, our author here, Luke, set to collect out as much eyewitness testimony and factual accounting of Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection as possible. He interviewed people. He went out and got sources. He double-checked everything. He was very efficient as he went out to make sure that he understood exactly who he was following so that he could pass that along to the next generation of those who were following Jesus to make sure they knew who they were following, that it was accurate, that it was true, that they could believe it and have a certain hope in him. So he set out to write these things. The first one is part one, titled Luke, all right? Like Luke, I am your father from Star Wars, right? After the man who wrote it. And part two is Acts. 
So in part one, Jesus began to do and to teach and to, to walk around the countryside and to, and to tell people about the kingdom of God. In part two in Acts, he continues to do that. It's too big for one book. He had to split it up. Okay, So we're going to talk about what Jesus began to do and to teach after his resurrection. We're going to read it here, right? So we find in the first three verses that he is physically with them another 40 days after the resurrection. All right, It wasn't just, a, oh, he appeared and he's gone. 40 days. 40 days he appeared to them by many proofs, right? Luke says, to make sure we understand that it wasn't a fluke, that it really was him. And he really proved that he rose from the dead. And you notice that his major teaching point is still the same one that he was ingraining in his first followers uh, before his death. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Now, we covered this extensively last summer. So if you missed it, check out the podcast, Faith Church VT, on any podcast app. Look up back a few months ago, you'll see us, a kingdom of God series. It was great. Okay, check it out. Highly encourage that. But in summary, the kingdom of God is this. It's a new social order started by Jesus. It's an upside down, right? Imagine, imagine our world now and how it's oriented and flip it. It's an upside down kingdom that completely reorients social values. You see, for all of human history, and you know this as good as I do because you can see it every day, especially in our current situation. But all of human history, you can see again and again and again, society is valued the strong. Society has valued the rich, the best looking, the successful, the ones in political power. All those are are put up on top. Our celebrity culture in America today is driven by this concept of the beautiful, the powerful, the rich, those in power. Those are the ones we should look up to and try to be like. All the while marginalizing the poor, the immigrants, the one that looks different, the orphan, the abused, all those are left in the dust, suffering at the bottom. We talk about social and see social inequality all the time uh, the, 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 in our modern society. But this big gap. In the kingdom of God, that gap isn't erased, it's flipped. And those who are at the bottom become the most valued. All right. So what we see is that the last are made first, the forgotten are remembered. Those buried under physical and social and emotional and monetary debt are released penalty free from that debt. And they're even placed in places of honor, upside down kingdom. It's an incredible minute. It wasn't just Jesus saying, oh, heaven's coming to earth. He's saying, here's what heaven looks like. It's like those who are forgotten are now remembered. You are not forgotten. That's the kingdom of God moment. That is the beauty and power of the gospel. That the God of the universe who has all has come down to rescue you and has created a community that loves and cares for each other. It cares for the abused and the poor, and the orphan, the left behind and says, you are places of honor. You get front row seating. You get the best of what we have because God has given the best to us. It's incredible. So he began to do that and teach before his resurrection. He continued to do and teach that to his apostles, his followers, his disciples after his resurrection. So they understood that that's what the rest of their lives were going to be about doing. They were going to be about living that kingdom mentality. They were going to be about giving it to others. But before they could go, we're going to see here in verse four, they had to stop. 
So let's look at verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. There's that word we don't like, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus knew the task he was going to give them would be incredibly hard, too hard for them to do on their own. Remember, we talked about that last week, about how going is uncomfortable and that we don't want to do those things because it means we have to, to jump out of our shell and to be able to engage with those around us. And, and that's one thing, but to be able to engage them with the message of Jesus, that's a whole other level of uncomfort that we have to pursue. Jesus knew it was going to be too hard to do on their own. So he said, you're going to have to wait, right? You have to wait. He knew they needed more than just to see and to touch and listen to the one who had been recreated. They need to experience that recreation personally. Personally. We spoke last week about the word baptism, right? How it means to immerse. We talked about if you're here at faith and you have a, you, you're ready to follow Jesus, that we're going to have this, this public ceremony. That, it's not really a ceremony. It's kind of weird to say. You have this public event experience where you're going to get dunked. We're going to put you under the water symbolizing your, the old life is gone, is dead in Christ, and you're going to raise up out of the water, symbolizing that you began a new life in Him. It's a powerful event. It's incredible. Love doing those. Love doing baptisms. But Jesus says that you're going to need uh, something besides to be immersed in water. He says you need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, meaning they need to be covered. They need to be permeated like a tea bag soaks up water. If you've ever seen that, they need to be permeated with the personal, energizing, empowering presence of God. Permeated through, covered up. Just like going under the physical water and coming back up, you're soaked through. I mean, soaked through with the personal, empowering, energizing presence of God. You see, following Jesus isn't just an intellectual decision. It's not just an examination of facts and saying, that makes sense, I think I should do that. Right? That's not it. Not only it. It's not even just a turning from one path to another. It's not even just being given a second chance at life. Although we say all these things. It's about being connected to the very source of life. Of having our world shifted from disorder to order. About living a new life that is being recreated by the Creator. Those first followers thought they understood that, right? So they thought they had it. Like, okay, Jesus, we got it. We're not going to be, we got to be, you know, baptized by the Holy Spirit. All right, we kind of understand that. So they waited. They did as he asked. They waited and they waited and they waited. Forty days while he was on, uh, on earth after his resurrection. They waited and then they met with him on the Mount of Olives on that 40th day. Remember part of this story from last week. They met him on the Mount of Olives on that 40th day outside of Jerusalem. And as they were waiting on that mountain, they thought they had it all figured out. They're thinking, okay, we've waited a long time, Jesus. And, and we've thought about this. We've, we're going we're gonna to do what you've asked us to do. We're ready to follow through. But today's got to be the day. Today's got to be the day that he's going to stop talking about the kingdom. And he's actually going to start doing something about the kingdom. Because right? we're tired of hearing about it. We want to be about it. All right? So that's what they thought. They thought they had it all figured out. But what does verse 6 say? So when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember, he'd been teaching about the kingdom of God. 
They thought, okay, he's going to do it. Today is the day, Miss Dawn. He's about to restore the kingdom to Israel. He's about ready to do this right here, right now. Okay, let's get ready. So will you at this time, Jesus, okay, we're ready. Will you do it today? Two things stand out here. One, they were anxious. They had been waiting day after day after day. They said, let's get the show on the road, Jesus. We're ready. We've waited long enough. They're anxious. Two, they were expecting him to do the work. What did it say? Lord, will you at this time, will you do it? How familiar this sounds. Man, this is so familiar. How often have we done this exact same thing? Okay, God, I've been waiting I've been waiting for a breakthrough. I've been waiting for this thing in my life that I know that you said is going to happen. I know that I need this change, whatever this change is. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Today's got to be the day. When are you going to do something about it? When are you going to do something? I'm tired of waiting here. Now, as usual with Jesus, (laughs) this morning or this day on the mountain, he didn't answer the disciples directly but he used it as an opportunity to teach them another lesson. It's our lesson too this morning. Let's look. He said to them, it's not for you to know. (laughs) It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. If you have children, and I have a few, uh, or if you were a child, you've probably heard your parents say, whenever they told you to do something, Stop asking questions and just do it, right? Just do it. Don't ask why, just go do it, right? Because it doesn't matter what the full plan is. The reason the questions are asked is because they don't want to do it, right? And so if you've been in that experience from a child's point of view or your parent giving that out, you know this answer that Jesus has given. But he has to give it to those first followers because they were anxious. They were ready to, to, to see something change. And he says something profound. It's not for you to know. Remember, they said, will you, at this time, right now, this morning, Jesus, will you do the thing you've promised? He said, it's not for you to know what time I'm going to do it. That's taken care of by God. He's got all of it figured out. In other words, I'm not going to give you the whole plan. And if I did, you wouldn't be able to figure it out anyway. You wouldn't be able to comprehend it all, right? That's not your concern. That's my concern. But we don't like to hear that, do we? No. In the middle of situations like the one we all find ourselves in today, in the middle of this COVID situation where we can't do our regular routine, and life's crazy, and it's frustrating, and we've been waiting. How how long have we been on this quarantine or whatever this thing is? Stay at home. It's been a couple of, a long time. How long did you say? Really? Oh, it's longer than I thought. A long time. We've been going at this a while, right? Weeks. And in the middle of this situation, we can all get a little antsy, right? We can all get a little frustrated in the waiting. But the difference between those in charge of our states and of our country and the one in charge of the universe is that one of those has it all under control and one doesn't. I'm just going to let you figure out which one is which. We can rest assured. We should rest assured every day knowing that God has fixed the beginning and the end of all things and that there's a plan in the waiting 
Now, Jesus helped them out. He didn't leave them there. He didn't say, oh, just, you're going to have to wait. Just hush and wait. He didn't say that. He said, there's a plan. You don't, need, you, know, you don't need to know the whole plan, but I will give you the first step. Here's the first step, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus was an ingenious teacher. Incredible. See what he did. He calms their anxiety, saying, calm down. Today might be the day, it might not, but don't worry about it. God's got the whole plan figured out, so just chill, right? Just chill out. Don't, don't be getting all wound up. Take a step back. And then he flips the focus of kingdom restoration from him to them. How many times does he say the word you in that one verse? Acts 1, verse 8. Look it up. You don't have to wait on me to tell you. Look it up. How many times? Okay, you should have it figured out by now. Three times, right? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in all those places. Three times. They only got to use the word you once to him. <laughs> he flipped it back and said you three times to those first followers that morning. In other words, he's saying, I'll do you one better than me making this happen. Let us do this together. Let us do this together. Let us bring in the kingdom of God together. Let us, us flip that social value system upside down together. Let's see the poor, the marginalized, the, the, the needy, the ones that are buried under debt, the ones that are, are struggling right now. Let's see them lifted up and put in places of honor, being placed first above all things. Let's work together to see that happen. Not me. Not even just you. Us together, right? Because he says the Holy Spirit's going to come. Meaning God's active presence and energizing power is going to come. And he does use another word there, doesn't he? In the first, he said you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But this time he clarifies a little bit. He says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. The word, Greek word for power here is dynamis, meaning dynamite. All right? So if you're old enough to know that show, whatever show that was, I'm not old enough to know what show that was where the guy said dynamite. But if you're an older person, you might remember that. All right? But it's dynamite, dynamite power. A heavenly power that carries so much force that strongholds of depression and oppression, strongholds of fear and of doubt are blown away. Hate and addiction, all of it, boosh, gone. With the dynamite power of God's presence. And in their place, what we find is this new wind of healing and of peace and a restoration that sweeps through, picks all the pieces up, and puts them back together the right way. They were to become a new people, not just Israelites. Remember they said, well, you restore the kingdom to Israel. It's not just going to be about one place. They're going to be citizens of heaven, infused with that same recreating power that raised Jesus from the dead and giving away everywhere they went adding more and more and more into a new nation that has no earthly border. That's our call too this morning. Isn't it incredible? <laughs> we miss out. We say, oh, wow, just, get, just, just, just experience the salvation, right? It, it's be saved. Come up out of the mess and just sit here. No, get connected to the source that is recreating things right now. 
and be recreated yourself and watch transformation happen in your life, in the life of your friends, in the life of those buried under drugs and alcohol, in the life of those who are just sitting day after day after day and doing the same thing and just experiencing the same results of brokenness and of heartache. He's saying, get connected to the power that's going to change your life. Live it. And watch the world be flipped upside down. But first... He said, but when, meaning they weren't going to get it yet. But when? They had to wait. They had to wait a little while longer. Over the next few weeks, we're going to walk their journey, those first followers of Jesus. We're going to walk their journey through this book of Acts. We're going to hear, we're going to see this dynamite power in action. We're going to walk those, those dusty, choking dust-filled Roman roads with them as they carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. But before we do that, we need to do as they had to do that day and practice holy waiting. This pandemic and the response to it has forced a new way of living on to us that most of us weren't prepared for. It's got most of us either stressed or depressed. And if you're anything like me, you are tired of waiting for things to get back to normal. Much like those first followers of Jesus, we're ready for a breakthrough. They were ready that day. Let's go, Jesus, make it happen. Let's do it. I'm tired of waiting. We're ready this morning to see a breakthrough in our lives. But before we go, before we see that, Jesus is saying, wait. Wait. You see, we need to understand that the normal we all want to rush back to won't fix the anxiousness. It won't fix the unrest it won't fix the frustration. When the kids get back to school, our lives won't calm down. When the commutes ramp back up, we won't experience less stress. What will fix those things is stopping, waiting with a purpose. Stop trying to do it all. This is for you this morning. Moms, all right, and dads, but I know moms because I've had one and I'm married to one. <laughs> so I understand. But it's to all of us who are going through this, who are trying to fix it by rushing out and doing things. Stop trying to do it all. Stop trying to fix it all. Stop trying to, to cram it all in and to fill the day with as much stuff as possible, try to make everyone as happy as possible. As long as everybody's happy, we can just make it through it together. Stop. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop all those things and start building habits of holy waiting. God has called each of us to a new life with him. And that means we are being recreated. It means remaking our habits, remaking our priorities, remaking our lifestyles. And that new life 
has rhythms of going and of that holy waiting. In the moments of waiting, like this one right here this morning, and the ones I pray you build into your life, we need to create quiet spaces. Hear me this morning. This is not going to be one you want to do. We need to create quiet spaces where we pour out our fears, that we pour out our inadequacy, that we pour out our needs, and we patiently wait as God's presence, the energizing, empowering, permeating presence, fills us up, truly meeting those needs that we have truly filling us with this peace and this joy and this restoration that we need that doing won't fix. Isaiah 40, chapter 30, or excuse me, chapter 40, verse 31 is an incredibly popular verse that is taken out of context. And I'm not going to give you the full context today because it take way too long. But I want you to key on this one key word here. You've heard this. You've seen it written out. But I want you to listen to it with a new ear this morning. Listen to this one word. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Who are those that are renewed? Those who wait. Those who wait. Not just wait and sit around in boredom. But wait for the Lord. Wait with a purpose. Stop with a plan of saying, doing's not helping. I'm going to wait on you to fill me up, to meet my need, to meet me here, to change me from the inside out. Going will happen. Waiting is where it begins. When we first wait for the Lord, it becomes saturated in His presence. Then we have the energy to deal with the stress and the anxiety. We have the energy to go and give ourselves away for the cause of others. So before you go this week, stop. Stop. And wait for the Lord. Now, seekers this morning, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for checking us out. It is so awesome to have you here. We say it every week that this place is not for church people. It's for everybody. We're all on a faith journey. And we want to be on that journey with you, prayerfully to get you to the point where you're ready to follow Jesus, right? Because that is where life happens. That is where true life happens, not a vague substitute, not a shadow, not this this fake fluffy stuff, but a hard but worthy life lived following him into this grand adventure. That's a journey worth taking and a journey we want to get you on board with. And we want to walk with you. If you're ready this morning, we don't have to, to wait for God's presence like the first followers did. God's presence is here, even in your space where you're at right now, in this room, in your room, in your bathroom, wherever you're at, He's there. He's there. That Holy Spirit power is available for you today. 
He's ready to fill you up. Fill you up. Saturate your entire being. Start recreating you. To live a life new and fresh and clean and, and just it's incredible. We want you to be on that journey. It's ready for you right now. But you have to make a decision to stop trying to do it all yourself and to wait and lean into His presence. If you're ready to do that, we firmly believe that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus transforms everything. That it takes our sin and our mess and our shame and our guilt and all those things that bury us and goes whoosh, pushes them to the side, pushes them out. They remember no more. And then He fills us up and He grants us for all who believe in Him eternal life now. A life fulfilled now. A life remade now. Transformation now. It's available for you today. If you're ready to experience that, it starts by making a decision to follow Him by saying, I'm ready to start that journey. I'm ready. If you are, we're going to give you a chance to respond. We've got a form that we're going to put out there in just a few minutes to be able to, so you can click through and say, yeah, I made that decision and I want to be able to be contacted. We're going to follow up with you. Not in a creepy, crazy way. I'm not going to stalk you. We just want to know so we can walk on this great journey with you. If you're not, keep coming here every week. All right? Keep being here virtually or physically when we get back together. Be a part of this community. We want to walk with you wherever you're at. Because life's hard, man. Life's tough. Why do this alone? Don't. Do it with us. Do it with us. Believers this morning, what we need to work on this week, what I need to work on, what I started working on when I was putting this together because I was convicted of this, is we need to, to build habits of waiting on the Lord in your day. I'm busy. But I think I, it's a busy I've created in many ways. And we need to build habits of holy waiting. I want to encourage quiet time in your house. What I mean by that is all devices being shut off. <laughs> I know that's hard. Yeah, I'll take it one step further. All devices being shut and the Bible being opened. All right, if that means you have to leave a tablet or computer open with just one, one, one thing open so you can read the Bible, I understand that. But Bible's open, everything else shut down. And, and to build quiet time into your day. Now, I know that seems like a fairy tale. I know parents in this situation you're going in through right now, right? Because I live it every day. I'm with you. I, I, I sympathize and empathize deeply with you in the craziness of your day that it seems like having a quiet time is impossible. So I encourage you to start small. Take a minute, two minutes. Stretch it to five. <laughs> Do whatever it takes to be able to build in habits of holy waiting with you and your kids uh, and, and whoever's in your house. Uh, maybe you can't start there. Maybe you need to go out by yourself and, and go outside and go for a walk. Or maybe you need to go up on the mountain out here and take in a, a wonderful view and just sit there for like five minutes and just, just on purpose wait for the Lord to show up. Call out to him and say, I need this. Like a car needs gas. I got to have this right here, right now. Build in those habits of holy waiting. Get into the Word. Don't just go out and sit and meditate on things because you'll start to be able to, you'll, you'll, fade, you'll just start tuning out and start to think about your day. Take the Bible with you. Open it up and just focus on one sentence at a time. Or fill me up with this because this is what's going to make 
the day. Your life. All of it. Building those habits of holy waiting and watch as he faithfully fills you up and energizes you so you're not just surviving your day, but you're thriving in it. So before you go this week, stop and wait on the Lord. Let's pray together in that effort. Lord, we thank you, Father God, that we can come to you and know that you are faithful. Lord, that we wait for other people, they might not show up. But we know you will. We know your word is true. We know, Father, that as, 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 as you literally died and rose again, with many proofs proving that you did that, that we know that your promises are certain. God, that you will fill us up today while we wait for you. God, we praise you for that promise. Thank you so much for that. This morning, if you're here and you want to respond to that call, not only of holy waiting, but of ready to engage with Jesus this morning, we want you to respond to that. And you simply do that by praying like we're going to pray right here. Say, dear Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to be remade. I'm ready not just to have a clean slate, but to start a new life with you. Father, forgive me for trying to do this on my own. Forgive me for for doing so much and in not changing anything. Help me to wait to be filled with you right here, right now, to be changed by you, to start a new life with you. If that's you and you made that call this morning, you made that decision, you're ready to jump in to this new life with Jesus, we've got a form for you and Ms. Dawn's going to post it in just a second. Fill it out. Send it to me. Find someone who's in your faith family that you know is a believer in Jesus. Talk to them. We're going to connect with you by filling out this form. Find a way to get up with somebody who knows Jesus and start talking. It's about making learners who make learners, right? So it's not just about being saved. It's about engaging with him daily. Engage with him this morning. Engage with another believer this morning doing that. And thank you for filling that out. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for starting that journey this morning. And thank you for letting us walk with you while you do it. So let's pray as we finish up for everyone together. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for being faithful to us. Thank you for your presence that empowers us, that energizes us, that moves us to go out. So Father, this week, as we go, I pray that we wait for you. Let us be, be prompted daily to wait instead of rushing. To look for you, to renew our strength, to fill us up, to keep being connected to the source of life. Right here, right now, this morning, we pray. We thank you for it. Thank you for your promise. We thank you for your presence that we know we're going to feel. We just praise you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being part of this experience this morning, uh, Faith Church and guests. Make sure you share this post even after. They can watch it, share it, post it somewhere else, spread it around as many people as possible, bringing the hope of Jesus into their homes this week, okay? And let's practice the habit of holy waiting as we go. In Jesus' name, thank you so much. See you next time.